something, amen? I love to learn, and uh, it just takes effort to do that, don't it? And you just can't learn by accident. It's going to have to be some kind of uh, desire on your part to know more about God than what you know now. Well, good to see you today. We pray that the Lord will move in our hearts today and speak to our souls. Changes for the glory of God. That's what I want, amen? I want to be different today than I was yesterday for Jesus' sake. I pray you'll have that same heart to this well. Let's stand to our feet and uh, we'll pray. And boy, I'm glad to see you here today. You've encouraged my heart by being here, looking forward to what the Lord may have for us this morning. Brother Charlie, I got to get used to that. Would you open us up in prayer? Okay. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good morning, church again. Thank you for your prayers. I'm I'm getting better, but my uh my throat's still not there, so we'll do our, our best today. Amen. Just give God glory. It's all we can do. Let's go to page four eighty five. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Billy charred with thy love. May your soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah. Thine the glory, revive us again. Tell you what, I'm gonna keep on singing and let's just come around and just greet each other. Just good to see the house of God filled. So just tell someone you love them this morning, amen. We praise thee, oh God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. We praise thee, O God, for the spirit of life who has shown us our Savior and scattered our night. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. 
all our sins and death cleanse every stain. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May so be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. All right. <clears throat> amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to page 424. See, someone cares about me. Say hi to me. <clears throat> 424. <clears throat> Let's go. Let's go ahead. There's a call come ringing or the restless waves in the light. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Send the light. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. The blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call. Cross we lay, send the light, send the light, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore, send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore, let us pray that grace may everywhere abound, send the light, send the light. Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light. Send the light, let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. morning everybody you will turn to first Samuel chapter 28 as far as some of our announcements again we have a prayer meeting every here Sunday at 5 p.m. on February 18th at 5 p.m. is our Valentine's Day banquet and on the 27th is our Bible study at 7 p.m. 
Then on the 28th uh, of a Saturday, uh, 10 a.m., there's a visitation on that day. 1 Samuel 28, uh, start with verse 19. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow shall thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth, and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. There was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all day, nor all the night. And the woman came unto Saul, and saw that he was sore troubled, and said unto him, Behold, thy handmaid hath obeyed thy voice. And I have put my life in my hand, and have hearkened unto thy words, which thou spakest unto me. Now therefore I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman compelled him, and hearkened unto their voice. So he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. The woman had a fat calf, in the house, and she has, <coughs> she hastened and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did bake unleavened bread and thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat. And then they rose up and went away that night. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, first we thank you for allowing us to wake up, first allowing us to come here, and protecting us along this the way, Lord. We know many things could happen to and from, but yet you uh, intervened and you guided us and protected us. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for examples that you put in here of, um, of people of that things have happened to them, for not obeying you, for for turning against you, for not believing you. Lord, we thank you for examples throughout your word, Lord, right here in your Bible, God, that you give us. And Lord, I thank you. We ask right now that you be with us during our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can some ushers come up, please? I'm asking our brother Charles to my the right to pray for us. I'll go ahead and sing.
this time, in this time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. Lord, please show me every day as you're teaching me your way that you do just what you say in your time, in your time, in your time. You make all things beautiful in your time. Lord, my life to you I bring. May each song I have to a little warm in here, so we'll put some little AC on there, man. All right, well, we are thankful for the Lord, we're thankful for His Word, and so by the end of the day, we should be done with Jonah, and uh, moving into a, another location, another place of the Word of God. I, I'd like to preach, I heard a preacher this week uh, said that the Old Testament is really, uh, should be separated or even away shouldn't be part of the Bible uh, and so there's a that kind of thoughts going on in many ways and areas that are just wrong amen and so we are going to preach the whole counsel of God from Genesis all the way to Revelation and it's all God's word amen and so we're going to preach hopefully with the help of the Lord this year through through uh, books like Esther and go through books like Ruth Nehemiah it uh, makes me even more want to go through the Old Testament when somebody says that it's not part of the Bible. And uh, so we're praying about those books and want to go through them and even like to go through Deuteronomy. And I know that that would be a big task, but we are asking the Lord for help in these matters. Y'all pray with me as we pray to what the God would have our church to hear and know and then follow. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Jonah here this morning. And uh, I have really thoroughly enjoyed uh, this Jonah. I have learned so much. I have grown in so many ways uh, concerning Jonah. If you haven't heard any of the messages out of Jonah, it might do some well to go back and listen to a few of those and just see what the Lord may have for us or for you in a book of Jonah. If you, have, if you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn it to chapter 3. We'll look in verse 5. This is where we ended last Sunday. And let's stand to our feet in honor of God's Word, and we'll read the Word of God. I want to preach this morning God's only choice. God's only choice. We see that starting in verse 5. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came into the, unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne 
he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and with sat in ashes. He caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree by the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, and let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God would turn to repent and turn away from the fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works and that they turned from their evil way. God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus here this morning. We pray that you'd anoint us with your spirit. Pray that you guard our lips and our mind. Pray you'll get, be exalted and magnified in all that's said and done this morning. I ask you to speak to every heart, God, that's under the sound of our voice. I pray, Lord, that every soul would know that Jesus Christ has saved them. I would pray that each one, dear God, would have a relationship with Christ. Father, that they would have fellowship with you this morning. Those that are different, dear God, those that are out, God, those that are away, we pray that you bring them home. We pray for those that are just lost without God, never been born again, saved and washed in the blood of the Lamb. God, I pray that you'd convert them here today, regenerate them. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd move in the down and out and discourage that you'd encourage them as well, the sick and diseased and those that are hurting in pain and suffering this morning. We pray that you'd ease that pain. God, draw us under your word today. May the Spirit of God Fill us with you, and God, that you may get glory in what we do and say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And so we find here in the part of Jonah, we come to the place where the Ninevites uh, would get saved. The Ninevites here would, would believe God, and the Bible says they turn from their sins or turn from their wicked ways or they turn away from their sins in which they've committed. We find, with that being said, what made God seek the Ninevites? I mean, it was a day when Jonah was in his city, in his town, doing his thing as a prophet, minding his own business and living his life as a prophet. And then God said to Nineveh, or said to Jonah in chapter 1, uh, and there in verse 2, he says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. What made God do that? What made God seek uh, after the Ninevites? Well, in verse 2, it tells us that of chapter 1. He says, for their wickedness has come up before me. And so the wickedness of Nineveh has now came up before God. God looked upon the wickedness of Nineveh and said, you know what? I don't have any other choice but to send Jonah to Nineveh. And that's the only way that I'm going to be able to do something about that wickedness. The only answer to that wickedness is sending Jonah that he may preach and he may cry against it. And so we find this morning what made God seek the Ninevites, the wickedness that come up upon them. We ask another question this morning, what made God sin to the Ninevites? Well, chapter 4 in verse 2 of Jonah we found out, the Bible says, that uh, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, a merciful, 
slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth thee of the evil. And so what made God send Jonah? It was his grace. It was his mercy. It was his kindness. It was that he was long-suffering and that he's just. And so we find that Nineveh, that God would seek the Ninevites because of their wickedness. He didn't seek the Ninevites because of their righteousness. He didn't seek the Ninevites because they were doing right. They weren't seeking the Ninevites because all things was well. He sought them because of wickedness. And then he did it because of grace and because of mercy and because of his long-suffering and kindness and his justness. We also ask another question, what made God save the Ninevites? Well, in chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says they believed in God. When you believe in God, you're going to get saved. Amen. And so we are thankful for that this morning, that the believing in God will bring us salvation. Number two, uh, not only believing God, but they turned to God. Chapter 3 and verse 10, they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil. They turned to God. And so they turned, uh, they believed in God, and they turned to God. That's called faith and repentance. Amen. And so we know why would God save the Ninevites? Because of faith and repentance. Why would God go to the Ninevites? Because of grace and mercy, slow to anger, kindness, and his justness. And why would he seek them? Because of their wickedness. It has not changed over all these years, amen? Why would God save America? Because America would have faith and repentance. Well, why would they need to be saved? Because of their wickedness. And why would God do such a thing? Because of his grace, because of his mercy. See, it hasn't changed all these years. It's all the same. And if you are saved this morning, it's because of the same thing. God saw your wickedness, amen? And because of his grace and because of his mercy and because of his long-suffering and because of his kindness and because of his justness, he came to you. And when he did come to you, he required of you two things, faith and repentance. Those two things must be as it was in the days of Nineveh. The only path to God is faith and repentance. There's no other way to God. Isn't it kind of strange that when God saw these uh, repent, he saw the wickedness, that he didn't go to didn't go to Jonah and say, "Hey, go to Nineveh and baptize them." You didn't see that, did you? Go to Nineveh and give them the Ten Commandments. And tell them to follow the Ten Commandments. And if they follow the Ten Commandments, then they can be saved. He didn't do that either. He didn't say, okay, go down there, Jonah, the old Israelite, and tell them that they need to be converted to become a it, become in Judaism. And then they can be saved. He didn't say that either. And so we find all the things that God could have done, all the things that God uh, maybe had opportunity to do, but there's only one thing that God had that could cause the Ninevites to be saved. One, faith and repentance. He could have chose, he's God. He could have chose anything in the world that the Ninevites could be saved, but God had only one choice, faith and repentance. It happened in Nineveh. It happened in your life. And it happened to anyone else who saved this morning, faith and repentance. 
If you are looking to get saved any other way, you can't be and you're not. No other this morning is available to you to be saved. To have your sins forgiven and be born again is only one, faith and repentance. The only path to God is faith and repentance. The only pardon from God is faith and repentance. You want to have your sins forgiven? Uh, you want to be pardoned by God? You want your iniquities and transgressions and you want your wrongs and your sinfulness and you want all that to be pardoned and forgiven and cleansed? You got to go through faith and repentance. We find thirdly uh, that the only peace with God is in faith and repentance. The only way that Nineveh, the only way in the days of Noah, the only way in Sodom and Gomorrah, the only way in Rome, and only way in Ephesus and Corinth and all the other places where the gospel has been preached and souls have been saved, the only way that you're going to have peace with God is faith and repentance. The only way. Jonah came into the Ninevites. He said, listen, fellas, 40 days. 40 days, and you're going to be overthrown. They said, boy, we got to figure out how to get peace with God. How do I get peace with God? Faith and repentance. They asked another question. Man, listen, our wickedness came up before God, and God knows about our wickedness, and God knows about our sinfulness. How in the world can we get pardoned with God? Faith and repentance. I can see as Jonah showed up on the, on, the, on the land of Ninevites, as the Ninevites was listening to this old prophet, he said, 40 days and you shall be overthrown. They said, man, how do we get a path to God? Faith and repentance. And so we find it's very clear, very plain in the Scripture on the only help and only hope that we have for sinners is faith and repentance. Good works. Good looks, good attendance, good man, good husband, good wife, good brother, good sister, good children, good worker, good citizen, good American. Never works. It never has and never will. Faith and repentance. Jesus said it well. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Keep your hand in Jonah. We were right back in that. But we want to know what Jesus has to say concerning this. But in Matthew chapter 12 and look there in verse 41. What did Jesus say about the situation here in Nineveh? How did he make the statement? And what did he uh, say took place and what, what happened? Well, he said it like this in, in uh, Matthew chapter 12 and there in verse 41. The Bible says, The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. What did Jesus say took place in Jonah? He just said it like this. He said, they repented. They repented. Would you say with me, according to what Jesus said, that when he said they repented, that he meant that they had faith and they repented? Right? I mean, would that include believing in God? When Jesus said they repented at the, at the preaching of Jonas, you'd have to include that word repentant would include believe. Right? So when somebody says, well, all you got to do is have faith in Jesus, would you not know and believe that with Jesus said that there's going to have to be repentance? So you can't have faith without repentance and repentance without faith. Jesus said 
repent. Repentance. So what happened at Jonah? What happened to Nineveh when Jonah showed up? Jesus said they repented. What does that mean, though? It means they had faith in God and and repentance of their sin. That's what it means. That's what Jesus said. We find that Jonas cried out, 40 days and 40 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. What was the options of Nineveh at that point? What was the options? Whenever the Jonah came on their land and said, 40 days you got, not 41, not 39. 40 days, and you're going to be overthrown. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be taken out. What were their options? Well, they had several options. They had number one. The first option they had was do nothing and die. That's what many people do this morning. Some of you that are not saved in this room this morning, you're going to do nothing and die. You heard you got to have faith. You heard you got to repent. But you're not going to do anything about it. Because you don't believe in it. You don't want to believe in it. You're going to do what you want to do. Live like you want to live. And have your life as you would have it this morning. And yet the Bible teaches very clearly and very plainly. That your faith and repentance is the way to God. So you got options this morning. Do nothing and die. You got another option that you have. You can do this. You can disagree and die. Right? You can disagree with God this morning. You sure right? You can disagree with me. You can disagree with others. You can disagree with your parents. You can disagree with those who are telling you how to be saved and why to be saved. And you can say, I just don't believe that. I disagree with that. That's fine. You can do that. And so did the Ninevites had that option too, didn't they? 40 days and you're going to be overturned. You can disagree for 40 days and then die. You can do nothing for 40 days and then die. But there's another option in which they had, not only to do nothing and disagree, but they actually could uh, demand an explanation. Well, God, you're sending Jonah down on the Ninevites out here. He's showing up on our our land. He's telling us 40 days and then we're going to be overturned. I want an explanation about that. I want an investigation, the king could have said. I want you to go and talk to Jonas and ask him who in the world he thinks he is to come over here in our pagan land, in our heathen land, and we've got our own gods, and he's coming here telling us that this God here is going to come in 40 days and destroy us. Who does he think he is? You can do that. You can be sitting in right here this morning and say, I don't care about all that, who God thinks he is and God thinks this and God do that. I, I don't, I'm not tell you what I'm going to do. I want somebody to explain to me where did Adam get his belly button? Or if he does even have a belly button, explain that to me. Explain to me where Cain got his wife. You ever heard those questions? Oh, yeah, that's something who's really stretching. They really, they, don't have, they really have no biblical question. They got a silly question. And they reach down that far. I tell you another, number four, they could have not only demanded an explanation and die, but they could have denied God completely and died. Right? You say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in higher power. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's somebody in heaven. I don't believe there's, I don't believe there's death. I don't believe there's, I don't believe there's life. I don't believe there's, when you go to the grave, you just kind of fall asleep right there, and then you're done, you're over. I just don't believe in any of that. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe Jesus. I don't believe God. And you know what? You can do that, but you're going to die. You know, Nineveh could Nineveh have done that as well. They said, we just don't believe in God. This God, you say, is going to come in 40 days? We don't believe that. But in 40 days, they would have died. 
There's, a, there's another option that Ninevites could have done. They could have doubted Jonah. But the end would have been the same in all of these options. They would have died. So you have options this morning, dear sinner friend. But you all are going to die. You all be overthrown. There's coming a time whenever your days are numbered. There's coming a time when it's all said and done. Some die at the age of 3 and 4. Some die at the age of 13, 14. Some at the age of 20 and 30 and 40 and 50, 70, 80, 90, 100. I think the other day somebody died 113 years old. But all is the same no matter what the age it is today. Die. So what's the answer, Brother Larry? What's the answer that God gave? And that is faith and repentance. So what was the decision of Nineveh? Jesus said they repented. They believed God would destroy them. Right? They, when Jonah said, listen, 40 days, you're going to be overturned. You know what the Ninevites believed? That in 40 days, they would have died. And when somebody says to you, hey, if you die without Jesus, you're going to hell. You say, wow, I don't want to go to hell. And you turn to Jesus and by faith believe in him, right? You believe God said, listen, you must repent and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are, you're going to find yourself in the lake of fire. And you say, wow, I'm going to believe. Right? So that's what the Ninevites did. Because when he came in and said, you're going to be overthrown in 40 days, they just believed him. They said, man, you're right. You're right. We got 40 days to get this thing straightened out because we believe with all our hearts, without no doubt, with 100% surety that the God that you're speaking of is the God in 40 days will overthrow us, and we believe it with all our hearts. That changed their lives. Amen. We find this morning that not only that, but they repented toward God and they were delivered in chapter 3, verse 10, and they turned from their evil way. Not what they told them to do, but what they did. They turned from their evil way. They repented. And so we find this morning that was their decision. Number one, I want you to notice the example of repentance. You know, this morning, this thing about repentance is really a bad rap in most churches. You don't hear repentance preached at all, it seems, in most churches. You know why? Because it's controversial. Not with God. Definitely not with Jesus. And not of the Word of God. But it's controversial because of some people who say uh, that this thing about repentance is a works that repentance is something you have to do in order to be saved, and yet it's not true. It's not what it's saying this morning. But Jesus said they repented. And what did that look like? It looked like this. They believed God, and they turned from their sin. That's what it looked like. And Jesus said they repented. I want you to notice, what is the examples of repentance? Well, here's the example of it in chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. 
They believed God. The examples of repentance now because Jesus said these people repented. So it's telling us with much assurance if we want to know what repentance is and Jesus called it repentance, then this is what these people did and we can take a learning of that to understand or do we really and are we really saved this morning and did we really repent this morning because Jesus said that's what they did in order to be delivered. So they would be a good example this morning, and they believed God. Now, that word believed there means faith, and they put their faith in the supreme God. That word God there is supreme, the God of gods and the Lord of lords. There's no other greater God than that. It's the only true living God is this God in which they put their faith in. That word believe means to trust. They trusted in the supreme God. They said all other gods that we had in our lives we no longer trust. All other deities that we had in our growing up, we now deny. Everything and anything that we have trusted in all of our lives up to this point right here, we no longer trust in that. We no longer trust in them, but we put all our trust into God. You follow me? And so that word believe means not only faith, it means trust this morning, but it means commitment. And what they're saying is this, what Jesus is saying is that the people of Nineveh, they took all the commitment that they had to their false gods, all the commitment to the pagan and heathen gods, and everything that they had within their lives, they say we now are not committed to those. We are decommitting to everything we've ever committed before, and we now are committed 100% totally and entirely to the supreme God. That's what they're saying. It not only does it mean commitment, it means trust, and it means faith, but that word believe there, it means this this morning, it means that you are assured. I'm assured of this supreme God. I've got no doubt that he's God. I've got no doubt that he created the world. He's the God of heaven. He created the sand, the, the sea, and the land. That I am assured with all my heart of that there's no other God than this God here. You know what that word believe means? It means turned. And they turn to the supreme God. Did you know that? Did you know that's what that word meant? Believe. That whenever you believe something, you have to turn from something else that you did believe to believe in that. That's repentance. Very clear, very plain. That any time that you have believed in something and now God has spoken and now I put my belief in Him that I'm now turning from all that I believed in in the past and all that I put my faith in the past and all that I was assured of in the past and all that I trusted in the past and I put that behind me and say, I no longer do any of that, but I do. And I turn to Him and believe. That's what it means. There's no better example this morning of a repentance than here. We see that repentance this morning, an example of it is that they believed God. Uh, in other words, they went from unbelief maybe to belief. That's believing. Uh, they went from maybe no fear to fear. Y'all see something going on right here? Believe. They said, I went from disobedience to obedience. I went from pride to humility. We see this morning, number two, the king believed. Not only the people, 
I believe 100% of the people of Nineveh in Nineveh got saved. Because it says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. The king believed. Look in verse 6. The Bible says, for the word of God came unto the king of Nineveh. He believed. So what does it mean this morning for him to believe as an example? Well, he believed such a matter that he removed himself. You see that? Look there in verse 6. He arose from his throne. Boy, I'm telling you, that's something right there. You see, because everyone and anyone who's unsaved this morning, you're on your throne. You as an individual is the most important of your own entire life. You love you, and you're told to love you, and you are in governorship. You're in rulership. You are the one who's reigning your life. You do as you please. You go where you like. You spend when you will. Uh, You do uh, what you feel like it, and all others have to wait. All others, it don't really matter. All others is not even considered because you are the king of the heart of the throne. Is that true? You know what happened to the king? He arose. Because he realized and he recognized that when he believed in God, that God was the king. And there can't be two kings on your heart. There's only one king. And the Bible says he rose from that position. He said, no, I can't. It's him that is the king. I humble myself. And I removed myself from the position of all of authority of Nineveh so that God could be in that position. I'll tell you the second thing he did. Not only did he arose, as the Bible teaches, he removed himself, but then he replaced himself. He said he laid his robe from him. The kings don't lay their robes apart, friend. They don't give up their ring and they don't give up their robe. When you find a king taking that robe, that robe that's rep- representing authority and rulership, uh, really representing God of the old of the Ninevites, friend. Hey, you don't do what the king says. You're dead. You don't follow his rules, friend. You're out. There is no room to go against the king, not in the Ninevites. And when he took that robe off, he said, not only am I removing myself from the authority but I'm replacing myself with God. He removes the robe. See, this is how you really get saved. You come to a place in your life when you say, you know what? I am rising from who I am, and I'm sitting to the side, and I'm removing myself. And then I'm replacing myself with Jesus. For he is the one who's now in charge. That's what belief means this morning. You thought all I had to do was just believe mentally that Jesus died, was buried, and rose on the third day. I thought all I had to do was just have have faith in Jesus that he would save me and it would be all over with. Oh, no, there's a whole lot more than that. Easy believism will get you in that direction. Friend, but you'll not find salvation there. We go back, don't forget now, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, what Jesus said. They repented. They repented, and God delivered them. And this is what it looks like. Not only did he remove himself and replaced himself, but I notice he repented himself. The Bible says in verse 6, he covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Of that day, that was a place of humility. 
That was a place of submission. That was a place where one is saying, I have really come under a conviction. I've come under a change in my heart. I've come under a, a different conversion than what I was. I'm not what I was and how I was when I thought. And now I'm just going to put ashes on me and I'm going to cover me up because of a place of humility. That's salvation this morning. Randy replaced himself, he removed himself, he repented himself. I humble, I go down, I lower myself. I'm no longer the one on the road who's the chief. I'm no longer in charge. I'm no longer the one who's going to call the shots anymore. I've done placed God there. And it's God. And man, if I ever get delivered, if, if I ever come to know God, it's because I have repented myself. We find here, secondly, not only the examples of repentance, but I want you to notice the evidence of repentance. Look in verse 7 and in verse 8. We find the strong conviction. You see, you'll not ever be saved or repent without conviction. Man, listen, you've got to have some pricking in your heart. You've got to be under the preaching of God's Word. And as the God's Word begins to preach, uh, there is a conviction that comes upon you. Uh, there is an uneasiness. There's an uncomfortableness. Uh, uh, there is a, a moving in your seat. Uh, there is a squirming around. Uh, there is a place where you say, Oh, God, I'm not so sure whether I like this feeling or not, but I'm feeling like you're really talking to me. Feel like you're really stomping on my toes. You're reading my mail. You're at my address. It seems like all the preacher is saying and all that's going forth is just directing right at me. It's coming right upon me, Lord. Oh, God. I've been found out by God. Conviction. There was so much conviction upon this king. If you look there in that verse 7, what did he do? Well, he went about and said to everyone, to all people, and even to the beast. <laughs> now the beast, they can't be saved. But the old king said, I'm under such conviction. I'm under such a, I'm under such a knowledge of God. I'm under such pressure from the Lord. I just know that even the beast and, and even everybody, they're not going to drink or eat. Uh-uh. I decree and proclaim all across Nineveh. That stops right now. You talk about conviction. And when you get a strong conviction like that before you get saved, friend, it'll stop you right in your feet. Friend, you won't laugh about it. You won't giggle over it. You won't act like it's some game and some playtime. You won't come to Brother Larry or anyone else here and say, ha, 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 I think I want my sins forgiven. Oh, ain't that funny. No, you'll come with a, a heavy heart. You'll come with a conviction a lot of times tears in your eye. You'll come with a broken heart. And you say, oh, God has just ripped me from one end to the other. He has shown me how ugly I am. He has presented to me as some sinner unsaved without God. And friend, I've got no other place to go. I've been found with God. I'm a sinner from a sinner. And I have sinned. And God's, God is against me. I'm an enemy of God. But God wants to save me. 
Nobody ever gets saved unless you get convicted. He said, I'll draw all men unto me if I be lifted up. Jesus said, you can't come unto me except my Father draw you. That's that convicting power. We find the Ninevites found that conviction. Number two, I noticed not only a, a strong conviction, but I noticed a sharp cry. Talking about evidence. Evidence of repentance. How do you know that you repented? Well, I've been under conviction. Number two, a cry. A sharp cry. Look at verse 8. But let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and every and cry mightily unto God. Mightily unto God. The Bible could have just said, and cry unto God. Couldn't have said that? But the Bible, the words have meanings, right? And there's just not a little cry where you get crocodile tears. You got these little fake tears that are running down your eye. You say, oh, I really want to be saved. And, and I really want to come to know God. But down deep in your heart, you have not been under conviction. It might be an emotional move. It might be something of a feeling. It might be something because your friends have done it. Or it might be something because mom and daddy want you to do it. It might be because the preacher is really just preaching every Sunday. Come to know Jesus. Come to know Jesus. And finally you say, you know what? I guess I'm just going to go down there. I'm sick and tired of hearing that. Yeah. And so we find ourselves in so many ways of motives and intents of our heart of why that we do what we do this morning. But friend, according to the Bible, the evidence of repentance is that these people cried mightily. This wasn't just some little old whimpering some little small talk. This wasn't, well, you know, Lord, if I'm not saved. Nobody ever got saved when they say, if I'm not saved. Lord, if I'm not right with God. No, no, nobody ever got right with God like that either. Lord, if, if I don't understand. No, 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 there's no ifs. Hey, I, 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 try, I, I will challenge you. You go to Matthew chapter 4. And when Jesus went to the wilderness and he was faced with Satan. And Satan said these three times. He said, if, if, if. And God gave no response or no deliverance from that at all. Zero. You'll find in the Gospels, they went around. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Christ, if you saved others and you saved yourself, if you are the Son of God, come down off that cross. And not one time Jesus ever responded to any of those. On ifs. Is that true? All of a sudden, here's a man on the cross. He says, Lord, remember me. He responded to that. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about that man. And today, it would be the same with you and I. We find a cry. That word mightily this morning, that, mind, that word mightily is a cry that comes from the gut. You ever had any of those? At funerals, a lot of times, you see this kind of crying. Or when somebody just passes, or and I've seen this from time to time, marriages, whenever they really love each other, <laughs> rather than just being infatuated, or whether they got some other alternative motive, you know, like they're rich, or oh, that woman's beautiful, the most beautiful woman in the world, I got to marry her. You don't love her, but you got to marry her because she's the most beautiful, right? So anyway, we find mightily. Down deep in the gut, all the way down in the soul. That whenever this cry is coming up, it's a cry that's affecting the whole body. It does not just have a 
fact, on the tear, you know, hey, the other day, I got new glasses. And when I got new glasses, I had an eye exam. And when I got into the eye exam, he said, man, your tear ducts are clogged up. I said, no wonder I can't cry. He said, oh, no, I ain't why you can't cry. I said, well, get them unclogged. He said, all right. So he went down there on both sides and, and cleared out my tear ducts so now I can cry. I thought you might need to know that. Modestly. So what does that mean, Brother Larry? What well, it means this morning, uh, according to the word, it means vehement. Vehement. That's with a boiling point. It means force and sharply and powerfully. It means cry mildly under God with two of the reasons why. Two of them. Number one, first one is emergency. That I'm vehemently, forcefully, and sharply crying out to God of an emergency. Forty days, and I'm going to die. Urgency. As if one is in the pool of a child, and they're crying out, Help me! Help me! Or somebody who's in the fire. Somebody's in a car wreck, and the doors are, are slammed, and they can't get out, and they're crying, help me, help me. That type of cry, that type of mildly cry, of vehemently, forcefully, sharply. And what it is this morning is these people of Ninevite looked at God and began to cry out, mightily unto God. And wouldn't it be to God this morning that those who come to God begin to mightily cry out to God rather than to come to God with some lackadaisical mindset. They come to God as if you deserve me. I mean, I got a good voice. I make a lot of money. And I got great skills. I can be a real addition to your church. I can be a real help here. I can teach Sunday school. I can, I can sing. I mean, you know, I got all these things that I can add to this church. And so God really needs me. That wasn't the Ninevites. And that's not anyone who comes to God. As they begin to cry out, God, God, I need you to save me. God, I'm a sinner. I disobey. I'm, I'm rude. I'm, I got bitterness. I got hardness in my heart, Lord. I, I'm ungodly. In the nighttime when nobody sees me, Lord, I do these bad and ugly and wicked things. And during the daytime, I put a smile on my face as if everything's okay. Everything's all right. As a wife, as a husband, a friend, as a mother, and as a father, you know, I just play the part. I just do what's necessary. And what people see is not really what they are. Oh, God, I cry from the depths of my heart, down in the recesses of my soul. God, save me today. That's what happened in Now, I'm just telling you what Jesus said when he repented. And what did that look like? That's what it looked like. So we find this morning a sharp cry, a strong conviction. And then look at verse 8, a sudden change. A sudden change. Sharp cry, strong conviction. Bible says in verse 8, let them turn everyone from his evil way. Let. God ain't making them do that. He said let. Let them. There's a free will with man here. Man has to decide, am I going to turn? Bible says let them turn. That was a willful change. They done it willfully. God won't make you change. 
God may, won't make you turn from your sin. God may, won't make you turn from your wicked ways. God won't make you. You've got to do it willfully. That's why many folks don't get really get saved anymore today because they're not willfully ready to turn. They're not willfully ready to change. They're not willfully. Now, if you tell them and then make them do it, they might do it. Uh, and, you know, they might do it on the way of maybe some guilt involved. Like, you know, if, you're, if you don't change, your spouse is leaving you. You know, hey, if you don't get your act together, I'm cutting you out of the inheritance. Man, we tell you right now, if you don't get saved and change your life the way that you're living, uh, we are no longer going to give you this, this, this job that's 100000 a year. See, those kind of things will force you into doing this. But God said, my salvation ain't that way. It's a willful change. Let them. Just willful. Hey, it's in my heart. It's what God brought me to. It's nothing off of me. I just... That's just what I want to do. That's just how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it freely. I'm going to do it willfully because I just want to change. That's what happened to the Ninevites. Number two, now is it a willful change? But I notice in that verse 8 that it is a, a change that's a holy change. Not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy. Or you know, what do you mean, brother? Well, they just didn't change because it says from their evil way not just some not just you know i gotta get my act together and i gotta stop doing this portion of my life i gotta i gotta i gotta be in a place where i can do just 99 percent of me gotta get straightened out one percent i can still can you know do my thing no holy holy the whole the whole you it's got to come to a place and you've got to have a sudden change. Willfully and holy. God don't want part of your heart. He'll take not third of your heart. He'll take not nine-tenths of your heart. Either you give 100% or you get nothing. This is not a gambling. This is not something where God's going to negotiate with you and say, listen, if you just give me your, your Thursday and Friday night, I'll let you have Saturday. No, it's holy. The Bible says that they turned from their evil way, from all of their evil way. They turned. They say, well, you know, I, I, I now go to church, and, and now I give my tithes, but I'm still disobedient to my parents. And I'm still watching pornography on the Internet. And I'm still, you know, a drunk. Don't work that way. There's going to have to be a whole change. And it's going to be a sudden change. But then there's a wholesome change. They, would, they completely trusted God that he would forgive them. Look at verse 9. Who could tell if God would turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that they perish not? That God would forgive and not be angry. Wholesome, sincere, serious. I mean, this thing about salvation is a wholesome decision. It's not taken lightly. It's not taken lightly esteemed. Uh, this is heaven or hell. This is eternal damnation or eternal life. It's a willful change. It's a holy change. It's a wholesome change. These guys meant business. These people were serious with God. 
I mean, listen, there was absolutely no games played right here. There was a wholesomeness. They entirely turning to God that God would not perish, let them perish, but God would let them live entirely, completely. I mean, friend, listen, uh, there was a evidence of repentance. And here I'm going to say thirdly, the effect of repentance, the effect of it. Verse 10, God saw their works. God saw what? God saw their works. Huh. Interesting word? Sure. Yeah. See, can I say this this morning, that what God saw, the true biblical change that is seen by God, is works or actions. God saw their actions. And that's what salvation's all about this morning is actions. We don't care about your words. We don't care about your sympathies or your pities. God's not interested in your feelings and your emotions. And God's not interested in your theologian. And not interested in how many scriptures you know and how many scriptures you memorize. He's not interested, friend, how much money you give and what kind of suit you wear and what kind of dress you parade around in. He says, I saw their actions. I saw their actions. See, I love Jesus and Jesus is in my heart, but you're living in sin. God don't see what you say. Am I? And we don't have to agree in order to not be right. But God said, I saw their works. So in other words, when they believed in God and they repented, they turned from their sins, God said, I saw that action. So the effect of repentance is seeing actions. Seeing the change. You used to be mean and ugly, now you're kind and sweet. Used to be disobedient and very belligerent. But now you're obedient and humble. Used to be proudful and arrogant and thought a lot of yourself. Now you don't even say nothing of yourself. And it just seems like you're so easy to get along with now. Actions. Actions. Don't tell me the prayer that you prayed. Don't tell me the baptism that you were dunked in. Don't tell me all the church memberships and all the works you do. Jesus said, I saw action. They turned from their evil way. You see, I'm talking about true repentance and the effect of it. it they proclaimed a fast. This is the effect of it. They proclaimed a fast. That's because they repented. They put on sackcloth because they repented. They covered themselves with sackcloth. They sat in ashes. They published it everywhere. The king made a decree. They cried out to God. They turned from their sin. And in verse 9, they believed. Actions. Actions. That's the effect of repentance this morning. God 
stayed his evil. In verse 10, the Bible says, God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Now, my question to you this morning as I'm closing, does God change his mind? The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. God does not change his heart, don't change his mind. He don't change anything. He's always the same in every place and everywhere. Man changed his heart. That's why God didn't bring the overturning to Ninevites because man changed their heart, not that God changed. Because if man wouldn't have changed his heart, then the Ninevites would have died and overthrown in 40 days, just like God said. But because they did change their heart, God did not bring overturning. So it wasn't God changing his heart. It was man changing their heart. Nineveh changed the judgment of God by believing and repentance. You see, they met the conditions that God set forth for salvation. I'll give you an example. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1 with me. Isaiah chapter 1. Here real quickly. Isaiah chapter 1. And look there in verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1. Look at verse 18. He says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool, they shall be as wool. Now that's the God's promise, right? That's what he says, I do. This is my will. This is my word. This is what I'm telling you I do. And then look in verse 19. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. So here's a condition. This is what I'll do. This is what I promise. This is what I vow. You can mark it down. It will happen if you be willing and you do not, you do not obey. I mean, you have to obey. You've got to be willing. And verse 20 says, if ye refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword by the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Did God go back in verse 18 and change his mind? No. No. God said, this is what I do. This is what I will do. But if you will be willing and obedient, it will come to pass. But if you refuse and rebel, it won't. So God's not changing his mind. Man had to change their mind. So let's not get that confused this morning. Turn one more, one more verse. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Look there in verse 30. Acts 17 verse 30. The Bible says, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which the, he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. What did God say? God said, I will judge all men. And when you get saved, and when you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior, that judgment don't come upon you. Because the judgment came upon Christ. God didn't change his mind. You changed your mind. We find it to be true. We also know that the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, that, that we all know of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. 
The answer to the world this morning is repentance. Or the answer to the world to be reconciled to God is faith and repentance. The very answer to the world to be redeemed by God is faith and repentance. And the very answer for the world to be restored with God is faith and repentance. Paul said it like this. Testify both to the Jews and to the Greeks. Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what did you preach on this morning, brother? I preached God's only choice is faith and repentance. If that's God's only choice, guess, guess what? That's your only choice. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Faith and repentance. It's my heart's desire and desire of God that everybody be saved today. Just wonder this morning. I just pray that everybody in this room and those that are hearing me this morning can confirm in their heart that I have put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I have repented toward God. If that's the case, you can say, I'm saved. I'm saved. Anything less than that, anything different than that this morning, you're just wrong. God help. God help us today to see God's Word and the entirety of it. Praise your holy name. Thank you for saving. There was about, about six to 800,000 people in Nineveh. And God saved every one of them by the way of faith and repentance. Hallelujah. The greatest campaign ever in the history of the world. You think God can save today? He can. But does people want to believe and repent? Not so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anybody like to come this morning? Just come to know Jesus. Just to come know Christ. I just want to be saved. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to change. How about you today? Amen. Let's be dismissed this morning. Word of prayer. Thank you for being here. May the Lord bless you. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock. And uh, we'll be preaching out of chapter 4 of Jonah. And uh, we'll bring what the Lord has given us on that chapter. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I want to say thank you for the salvation that is of the Lord. I want to thank you today, dear God, that you make it very plain and very clear, Lord, that it requires the faith and repentance. You even tell us there in Mark chapter 1, Jesus came preaching, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Thank you this morning, Lord, that it's not about us, it's about Jesus. Thank you for the assurance of our salvation. 
Thank you, God, that you have given us opportunity to be saved and born again. I pray, Lord, that you now take us home, get us rest, and God, that we'll come back ready to worship here this evening. Help us to ask somebody to come to church tonight. God, help us to reach out to some lost sinner, God, who don't even know anything about faith or repentance, so that they can be saved as well. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you for our visitors this morning. Thank you for the members and their faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the place to come and Jesus that we can worship. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.